You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Baruch This is On Principle, Arab Sukkot edition. I'm here with my favorite guest, actually one of the few guests that actually agrees to come on in any sort of frequency, Rabbi Jonathan Kroll, the principal of Salanter Akiva, Riverdale, S-A-R, in the Bronx. And John, I don't know, it's our fourth or fifth appearance here. I don't know, it's early in the morning, so I'm not sure exactly. But we talk frequently, and we've been talking a lot. You were our, one of our first guests right before Corona, during uh, when Corona began. Uh, we talked about graduations. We talked about uh, how school started. And one of the things that we sort of didn't speak about through all these months was what emerged in the United States as sort of the the other big issue that sort of maybe piggybacked onto Corona. Um, I don't know if the, the, the connection was organic or not, but with George Floyd's death, uh, the the social unrest, the and more than just the social unrest, which was it's its own question, is the rise in the consciousness of Americans all over, and then actually human beings all over the world, about the plight of the African-American in the United States, and in general, perhaps throughout the world, the type of racial prejudice that exists. And these, for some reason, there has been a bonding of both of these issues together. And you can't just say, well, Corona took over the world, but there's also issues of how race relations need to be restructured, etc., and as you, as an educator, uh, I know take all of these things seriously. Let's talk a little bit about some of your ideas. And again, I'll probably interrupt you a number of times about how our schools can also, in a way, be more understanding. How our schools can inculcate a greater racial sensitivity and understanding and, 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 and how that can happen. And I know you got some ideas on it. So take it away, John. Yeah, thanks so much. Always a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, really, uh, as you said, I'm your guest that comes on that agrees most frequently. I will tell you, I, I enjoy every podcast on the that I listen to with the host and curator of <laughs> which is something that is a joy for me to listen to. So I hope that uh, maybe someone would listen to this, or maybe I'll listen to it for myself. A um, couple things. First of all, the I think the problem is a real problem within. Um, our, you know, kind of modern Orthodox world, I could speak more, you know, more specifically in the world that I kind of inhabit. Um, I think it's a real problem. And I think it's a problem that needs to be addressed. And I think it can be addressed on a number of different levels. I'm not talking about addressing the question of racial sensitivity or way of, of sort of addressing it from a deeply intellectual or an academic perspective. I'm not talking right now about something that might be controversial, like a 1619 project as to whether or not it's important to um, educate, you know, uh, the, the world about the kind of like how to see all of American history through the lens of the original sin of slavery and how that built America. Uh, that's an interesting question. It's not my expertise and it's not something that I, um, feel all that equipped to talk about intelligently. What I do think, though, is that there's something on the much more personal and sort of like relational level between Jewish people and Black people in America, and certainly between, um, you know, 
our students and they're interacting with and getting to know and understand and be empathetic towards the situation of black people in America. That's something that we don't do a good enough job at yet, I think. And I think it's a, you know, the, the George Floyd killing and the unrest that has followed has put us in the sort of like, you know, in the position of having to like think about that more seriously than we have been thinking about it before. And I, I just think there's gotta be something about knowing black people, understanding the plight, understanding what it means to you know, live in their shoes. And I think we don't, I think you gotta recognize it's a problem that we don't really, our kids don't have that experience. I know like you might be different. You grew up in, uh, you know, Memphis was a different place than where I, I grew up in Chicago. As a Jewish kid growing up in Chicago, I had, uh, I'd say very little to no experience interacting with, um, with black kids. I had, in my freshman year of high school, I did have a, an English teacher who was black, um, left after I think a year or so. Uh, I don't think he was there my sophomore year. I just didn't, I didn't have that interaction. And I think that most kids in the New York area um, don't have that interaction either. And it's therefore it's like the, the experience of black Americans is, okay, is completely foreign to so many kids. I don't know, do you feel that way in terms of... Uh, yeah, I, I would say as someone who lived in Chicago for 20 years, as you rightly note, and I always talk about it on our podcast, I talk about my Memphis youth. I think the older you get, the more you appreciate where you, where you were born. As much as I think you probably feel the same way, as much as you've had this incredible arc of, uh, of, of, of success, in many ways, a lot of things that make you who you are, are what happened in Chicago. And I think the same thing is true for me in terms of Memphis. Um, despite the fact that I left when I was 13, I'm not, I don't want to talk about myself. What I'm saying is, right. is that the fact that I grew up in a very integrated uh, neighborhood, the fact that my neighborhood became predominantly African-American, the fact that I played with African-American kids, the fact that I was very, very familiar with, um, you know, I wouldn't say the mindset, but definitely what it was like to interact and to actually introduce myself and to make bridges, even at a very young age, about who I was and to what they were, what, what was going on in their world, Um and of course, living in Memphis, where King was was shot, um, and and watching the riots and and and, and being involved in that, I, I think makes an indelible impression. And when I came to, and I've spoken about this, when I came to the Northeast, I noticed that there was this enmity, and I think it, it really. And I've, 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 I'm on a record about it. I've gotten a lot of flack from people about about uh, you know putting the yeshiva world in a bad light. But the reality is the Northeast, and maybe it had to do with the intensity of the anger that was unleashed in the 60s. Chicago clearly has always been a polarized place. I think we can't help but be the product of that. A, a, a Chicago Catholic, a Chicago Italian, ha- had a, a sense of enmity and hatred. He only saw the black person as a political ally to get power as one of the, uh, of the aldermen in New York. Well, I think what you had was, and even in even reaches even into the upper echelon of Riverdale and 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 Scarsdale and all the places where SAR kids come from, is this idea that yeah, you know, you know, blacks are around, but you know, we fought them and they hated us, and and there was there was violence, and we had to move out of our communities because of that, and 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 all the old Jewish communities, you know, imploded, and we had to leave. And I think our children today are living in the fallout of that attitude you as a chicago kid and i think even the the uh, these very enlightened kids up there in sar 
are, 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 go ahead. But that's what I, that's what I think is going on in many ways. And therefore, go ahead. No, please. Okay. So therefore when, so even though they are extremely liberal minded, look, I taught in your school. I know, you know, what the the motif and the attitude is, right? But Mm -hmm. incredibly, there's still a blind spot in a sense of "Mm, black guy. Hmm, what's going on? You know, there's still a sense of mistrust. There's still a sense of, I'm not sure. There's a sense of, of the other, which is a lot stronger than the other, if it would be a, uh, or uh, someone from Korea, someone from China, someone from Japan, someone who also looks different, but there is a, 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 no, a I, sense I think of fear and distrust. I think you're describing is, is uh, true. I'm not sure you know, what the root causes, but I think that certainly that, that uh, you know, the quote-unquote othering of, of Black Americans, I, I think within our community is something that's real. And I think that what I'd, like, what I'd love to figure out how to do is how to, you know, I don't tone that down and to build some kind of connection in which it became so much more normal. And the way to do that, again, I'm, I'll just share with you something we, we did after, um, like right, again, the, the George Floyd murder and the um the, the sort of the social unrest that, <clears throat> that really was you know sparked was taking place right at the end of the school year i mean we had like you know uh to scramble to do something because we felt we needed to mark this in some way and to sort of address it and you're on zoom and you can't it's really not so simple to do but what we did again it, we happen to have a, a wonderful um art teacher who is black who teaches in our school um we reached out to him humbly at the, uh, you know, privately at the, you know, when we were thinking about it, said like, you know, would you feel comfortable? Do you have a message? Would you like to talk to the student body? Is there something you'd like to share um, as a black American? He thought about it a little bit. He said, he didn't really feel comfortable. And then the next day he came back and said, you know what? I think I, I think I would like to talk to the student body about my experience. And, what was great about this was that we weren't, and I'll tell you what he t- talked about, about why I thought it was very moving. What was important about this was when you're talking to an individual, somebody who you know as your teacher, somebody who you know cares about you and you have a re- and that many students in the school have a relationship with, the knee-jerk defense mechanisms that oftentimes people have melt away. When I say knee-jerk defense mechanisms, things like, yeah, but what about the structure of the family in the black community? Or what about, you know, rap music? Like all these kinds of things that like, I find is like, you know, almost like unpleasant sort of like points to be made in a conversation that seem to be beside the point, melt away. Cause you're talking about a human being who you know and you care about. And, you're, and it's not like a theoretical kind of like construct. This is a real human being sharing his life experience and you have to take that seriously when you're looking at a human being in the eyes and he's talking about his, his experience and his pain. And so it was remarkable when he talked about to our students about what it's like being, as he said, a, a uh, over six foot tall, dark skinned black man is, gets me in trouble. And I, have to, I have to be more careful about myself than I think some of my other peers who don't look like me have to be. So what he, he described the number of times that he actually has had interactions with the police and they were, you know, again, he was just sharing his own person. You know, I'm not trying to make a political point. I'm just telling you the following things that happened to me. 
And our kids, and although he also mentioned that, you know, as he comes to school, we have paid detail that it's a different, it's a different police officer just about every day who comes and kind of stands outside the school. As he said, I'm walking into my job often, you know, it would be that one of the police officers would stop me and ask me what I'm, what I'm doing here and what, what, you know, kind of question me. And I, you know, that's like our students were shocked by it. And he talked about a number of interactions that were just very, like you felt terrible for the human being. And he talked about how he had to have a conversation with his, you know, his adolescent son about how to manage himself sure. around the police. And those kinds of, and our kids are looking, you know, I, I felt like, you know, almost like dumbstruck at like, I, when I see a policeman, I'm just like relieved that he's taking care of me. Give him a wave. Yeah, give him a wave. Nice to see you. Thank you, officer. But, yeah. And and I never in a million years would think that, you know, uh, that, that I could get, you know, that, that there would be some kind of trouble that I get. He talked, this was, um, you know, one of the kids asked in the chat when we did this on the Zoom, we did it on a Zoom meeting, obviously. Kids asked in the chat, the staff, is that when you asked this teacher to speak, did you know he was going to, did you know what he was going <laughs> to say? Did you know he was going to have all of these stories about his experience? And one of our st- the, when we, the response was no, we actually did not did not rehearse with him, did not know what he was going to say, gave him like an open mic, and you know kind of expected that it was likely that he was going to have these kinds of experiences to share, and, and he did. So my point is that I find these kinds of interpersonal, like like kind of sharing of like your life experience to be very valuable and. Um, much more, much more valuable than going through a, um, you know, I, I think the kind of in, the intellectual um, sort of like, you know, analysis uh, of, of race and the history of race in America, but to actually talk with human beings about what their lived experience is like, that I think is a, it's a much big, it's a bigger difference maker in the lives of kids. And I think we just have to find more spaces for that. Yeah. So this really, really touches on the whole nature of how education is supposed to work. I know especially in SAR where everything is intellectualized and conceptualized and, and other schools as well, and I'm not downplaying that. But then the, the, the question is uh, how we get this done. And, and you're right. We have a, a, a parallel uh, events were occurring uh, when Lautenberg and Menendez and the other senators in New Jersey were pushing through uh, demanding that all New Jersey public schools have Holocaust teaching. I'm not sure exactly if it's all through all four years of high school or in elementary school, but I know it's quite extensive. And once again, the question is, what is the method of getting this sensitivity towards the Holocaust, towards Jews and what Jews have gone through, which is what the idea behind the legislation was. And do you do this by movies? Do you do this by having survivors come in? Do you do this by giving you uh, an overarching background and in, in, introducing it into the history department? Yeah, so that- I'll take, I think here's my opinion on this. It's, it's like, you know, listen, all of the above, but the emphasis is on the interpersonal meeting people and seeing people face to face and hearing their own personal story and talking with them. I feel that way about Holocaust and I feel that way so specifically about, you know, kind of uh, our, our students and uh, engaging with black, with, with the black community. In other words, like our kids learn about, you know, slavery. Our kids, and they do it in a serious, rigorous way that I'm proud of. They learn about Jim Crow. You know, they're learning about what happened in the Reconstruction. They're learning about 
you know, even redlining. This is things that they're intellectually aware of. But if you don't know, like, people, you don't know black people, it feels like it's a, like this intellectual academic exercise. It'd be the same thing about, about the, you know, sort of like the Holocaust. You'd say a similar thing. You could have kids who might learn about the Holocaust and may see Schindler's List and they, and they could be able to kind of like have studied, the, you know, the Nuremberg laws in detail and be able to analyze them. But if you sit down with a survivor and you see the numbers on the arm and you hear somebody tell their own story about what it was like, you're a changed person in a way that you're just not when you're studying it from a book. So that really, really begs the question again, do we stop there? Uh, I know, look, I remember when I gave my, and I, I'm always, you know, whenever I see you, I, I can't help but uh, be drawn back into my SAR, Allison days. But I remember after I gave my, uh, my sheer dogma, so to speak, I still remember what it was about about um, the f- connection between the first Mishnah and the second Parakat Kedush and the second one. And I used, of course, the, the Spider-Man reference of with great power comes great responsibility. Why why Shlichus leads to that type of responsibility. That was my shear. But I remember mm-hmm. afterwards, okay, now that you've heard this experience, you've met this man, you've met this new type of person, let's talk about it. And then Tully comes in and then we have, we have a whole schmooze about it. So did you do similar things, you know, after this art teacher spoke and get people's to kids response and get them to talk and get them to articulate, or did you want it to just sink in? Because I know that we as teachers want to conceptualize things. We're, we're sort of like, we're like a hammer that wants to hit a nail, right? We, we, we don't want to let it just sit there and say, okay, meet African-Americans, meet black people, know what it's about. I don't, I'm not going to, uh, preach to you about what you need to, but we as teachers sometimes feel we have to do that. Are you ready to step back and, and just allow them to just absorb that? Or do you, are you going to have to like put it in a box for them? I, I, uh, I, think, that's a, I think that's a great question. Yeah. Well, and I asked, think, asked by someone who has been there. Go ahead. <laughs> that in this, I, I worry about sort of, um, you know, kind of like using I don't want to tokenize those relationships and almost like I'm worried about like kind of like, I don't want to package that as like, here is the, you know, kind of educational module on racism. I will present for you a, you know, um, a black person who will talk to you about those. And you're, wow, isn't that lovely? We spoke with a black, you know, there's something that I I worry about um, kind of like trying to be Yotze by having that. And I, and like have like, we've, we've done a unit, and so I think that the way, I think what you, we need to do is to have it become just much more normal that there were, there, that have kids interact with more, like, you know, um, in addition to all their classes and they learn and they talk about it. But, you know, when you have speakers in the school, I mean, some alumni pointed this out to me. We're very grateful to some alumni. We had some suggestions about what things to do. You know, you should make a point of trying to get more of the speakers. If you have, who could speak about a topic that you bring into schools. If you have, if you have, you know, somebody's talking about, uh, I don't know, in a science class, you're bringing, you have, you have gonna, having a guest lecturer who's going to talk about, you know, um, whatever it is, something in genetics. Right. And you've got two geneticists who you could theoretically invite to come in. One of them is black and one of them is white. All things being equal, bring the black geneticist in so that the kids will just have more interaction. Yeah, well, well, like you- that, in other words, my point, even what we did with the art, when the art teacher came in and spoke, it felt very natural and it felt 
very because, of, because he had a pre-existing relationship with the yeah. kids and they knew him, yeah. etc. Yeah. I, I think that again. So I think John, you, what you're saying is that you 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 would as the principal and you would advise others to resist packaging it in some sort of conceptual form, which is going to be what every educational institution is going to want to do because yeah. they're going to want to write it up and explain how this is going to work in other places. I, yeah, so you I, have to, so you're you're actually a voice to resist that. I want to actually, but but I think what also might happen and i go back to as a sociologist and i did teach sociology and i'm not just a, a ferret in this area so mm-hmm. there is something to be said about uh an open conversation as well you talk about tokenism there's also something about not putting things on a pedestal and i think that one of the things that before corona occurred the big issue in north in the northeast was the uptick in anti-semitism that occurred can you believe, do you remember Jersey City, right? It, 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 it seems like it was a million years ago, right? It seems like it was a million years ago that someone came in with a shotgun, African-American couple came in with a, a, a sawed-off shotgun and was ready to actually lace into Jewish kids. Uh, again, they went into the store, but the Jewish kids were next door. They ran away. Those were events that occurred. You know, and, and Steve Phillip needs a, uh, deserves a tremendous amount of credit. Maybe he'll be the candidate that uh, if Trump has to uh, bow out, we'll get Steve Phillip from Jersey City as he could win. But anyway, the point is, is that that was an issue that was that was that was really, really very strong. And and, and it was very hard not to 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 to, to be sensitive to it. Would you yeah. be open for the feedback to go back the other way to say, look, we know that you don't hate us. But can you – why isn't more being done in the African-American community not to see the Jews as the straw men to attack? And even though it's a bunch of kids, it's a, it's, it's, it's a small percentage, are you ready to have that dialogue where it isn't on the pedestal, the glorious pedestal, where you, know, you can't ask the tough questions? And it isn't – and, and, and let me just say it a little bit stronger. The pat answer would be – Hey, we're we're part of the system, and you know we don't have a right to ask that question because we are also benefited from this systemic racism. If you really want to just have a conversation, I think you're going to need to, it's going to need to be two sided, and and the African American community is going to have to answer to what is clearly their enmity, and, and we're not we're to blame a lot for it, but I think there needs to be a, a, a an airing of shared grievances as well you know what i'm saying otherwise what you have is another type of reverse tokenism where yes we'll bring this in but you know what certain questions are off the table and i'm not talking about criticizing them but if there is this issue of how we're being treated what about the fact that the jews in in crown heights and in brooklyn were victim were possible victims and were scared to walk the streets i i think that listen i would not say that um those kind of conversations are off limits and should not happen. I do think it's, um, it would seem to me to be tone deaf though, for that to be kind of like the initial level. That's a conversation you have when you have a relationship and you should have that conversation. That should be a real conversation. I do think that the, the kind of like the experience uh, that's sort of a, has risen to the fore in the U S now has been like okay, to the, the, seems to me, that the experience of black America is, is like so much more like profoundly challenging than the experience of the Jew in America who encounters anti-Semitism. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to minimize it. And I think that there's a, it's a scourge that needs to be uprooted and addressed. Um, 
You know, I just don't, I, I don't see, you know, like the, the stuff, this, the, just not, the New Jersey, Jersey city was, was awful. And like, you know, that was a, needs to be, you know, uh, sort of protested against and the fought and, you know, Crown Heights riots. It's just like those, those do seem to be within the African American community, um, much more isolated senses of kind of like anti-Semitism towards Jews and to try to, and like, I, I would be loath to uh, kind of like have a conversation with the, you know, kind of a, pro, you know, uh, Jews and blacks. Um, what are the blacks all the Jews and what are the Jews all the blacks? I, I, there's something about sort of, I, I, I think it's a point <laughs> of the conversation, but I think that to sort of, sort of like put the experience of Jews in America, almost like as uh presenting it as equal to blacks in America, I think is... Um, uh, I, I, you know that's not my point. I wasn't I trying know. to... I, I think, I, but, but it's hard to, in your initial conversation, to avoid making it look like that. So that's why I'm saying I would... Um, I, I think it's important just to kind of listen to the... Like the, 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 um, I think the, the most important thing right now is for our Jewish kids to like have a sense as to what... I don't know, the, you mentioned you see grievances, but the... Uh, have a sense of what the experience of black Americans is like, and you build those relationships. And then you also talk about like the Jewish part as well. But to, I wouldn't start, I don't think that's the way to start a conversation. Uh, I think, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course I didn't. I wasn't implying that. Yeah. I, I want to tell you that when Jersey city happened before, you know, in, in the, as Corona was beginning, it's it really sort of like the two issues sort of like melded, you know, everybody was talking. That, that was on Sukkot's time. Well, it was, it was no, it wasn't Sukkot's. No, when was it? It was, it was, it was in November, December. It was, it was very close. Wow. December, in Hanukkah, they had the attack in Muncie uh, by wow. the Rebbe's, by the Kosovo's Rebbe's house. So this was really very close to when, you know, the, right before the CMS house. What I would say is like this. There was Ravelli Brudny and others spoke about the Jersey City attack and possible massacre that could have happened. And Eli Bruni got up there and said, and so did some of the other Rabbanim, that we're to blame somewhat. And the Chesidah Shechever there, it's, it's, it's not them specifically, but the Frum Velt in general was, had to understand that there was an enmity that built up because of the aggressive way that the Jews who moved into these areas uh, were Although they, they, everyone has a right to buy a home, everyone has a right to upgrade a community, but there was a lack of understanding between the communities. And there was a certain a, a, a suggestion of aggressiveness that was there. And both of these very Haredi right-wing Rabbanim were saying, we need to work on this. And that's what I want to finish off over here. We talked about you and, 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 and the community you develop. I, I think what's, what's really called for is really across the board. And I think there needs to be a unified sense in the yeshiva world, especially because there, I think that the, 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 the lack of sensitivity is even greater. Uh, it's, 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 it really needs to be uh, pushed uh, much more. And I think that there needs to be a, 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 the same way we've all gone behind Rav Herschel Schechter and Rav Osher Weiss uh, in terms of our post game in Corona and everybody, despite how modern they are or, 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 or Haredi they are, know that Herschel Schechter speaks for them or Vosher Weiss can speak for them. Or, so yeah. we, 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 we can't create a coalition for this as well and say there needs to be a greater understanding of the African-American or black experience. And we want to introduce this. Hopefully the yeshivas will be open in some way. I don't know how, <laughs> but in some, whether it's Zoom or not, 
for this as well. And as you as a principal, again, look, I'm just a podcast. I, I think there's a lot to what you're saying. By the way, as you just sparked an idea, I think there's something that is much less threatening for some people on both sides, um, uh, using Zoom as, the for, as a forum rather than in person. So it's an interesting sort of opportunity that makes itself available um, to use Zoom as that forum for creating those bridges. I think that's a really good idea. But but what really it has to be taken seriously. I've taught in the yeshivish schools. I've taught there, you know, and you know, I've talked to. I don't know if I've shared with those experiences of being. It's the Gehenna of the world is to be a. And Rabbi Bechaffer and I both. He's now teaching in, in, in the in the secular studies department, although Jewish history, whatever it is, in a yeshivish school. Those schools things that are part of the secular studies, the Martin Luther King Day, Yotzezain, those aren't going to work. There needs to be from the top down a sense of unity. Hey, all principles, you and other principles throughout the spectrum from Darke, which is a big school here in the Northeast, uh, in Far Rockaway. I don't know if they're open anymore. Uh, I think that they had to close down for Corona for a while or go virtual. But there are huge schools uh, uh, the Sephardi schools and in, 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 in Flatbush, there needs to be a call to have sensitivity towards it and to do it in a real way, where it isn't just oh we have to take away time from from our from our morning yeah. seder and sit to that. And, and, I, and I'm going to leave that to, to you. To, you guys can figure that out how, how that can be done because yeah, I, I think I, that's I think that, a challenge. I think that I think that your way of framing it is uh, very compelling. Yeah, and, and and I think we can all and, and we'll all gain from it. Clearly, you know, when I when I think about uh, and I I did teach American history, there was it isn't just A.J. Heschel uh, marching with Martin Luther King. It's much bigger than that. There really was uh, a sense of, in the 19th century as, as the abolitionist movement began. There was a a a, a real bond and a connection between Claudius Roll and and the African-American experience, it was, it was put this way, the religions that they came from, from Africa were not Christian, but they adopted and, and, and really accepted within themselves so much of what the vibrancy of what it means for Claudius Yisrael to be Yitzhak from Mitzrayim. It's almost like they took our, you know, the, the, that experience of, of, of rising from slavery, being emancipated, of Moses, of Moshe, they took our story and, and, and they inhabited it. Uh, in a real way. And to me, when someone inhabits your story, it's almost like, you know, um, you know, like, I don't know, I'm dating myself, but, you know, I would say that, you know, uh, if somebody is a great imitator of someone else, you love that guy, like, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, there was a, you know, there was a famous uh, uh, Jim Bailey, who was a, uh, a, fee- a man who imitated, he was a drag queen. And he became best friends with all the women that he uh, dressed up like Barbara Streisand and Judy Garland and all these people that he he imitated them better than them. He was better than them, but they loved each other. And I'm using that as a muscle. There was a tremendous sense of love. Hey, they, they're, they're our story, their story. I think that there is a, a tremendous, I know I'm going on here, but I, but I think that there is a great opportunity for bonding. And, and 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 I think it's 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 much stronger. I think it's going to really show a, a way, uh, not only for our kids to to get out of their you know uh, uh, you know their rut of 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 empowerment of, of, of and, and, and embracing others, but also really forging a coalition 
and and and, and a connection that I, that I think you know really the seeds are already there. Anyway, that's my spiel. Right. That should be. I think that's a, that's a great aspirational goal. I'm not sure if you know, how far you know. The Marshall Nimshaw with the drag queen. I'm not sure how much. Okay, but I don't know if I made it clear. But the point is that, she, that she became best. He, she it. became best friends. I, I, I love someone who has my story. I yeah, love someone I think, who I'm an inspiration I for. There's, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that idea. And I think that it should be that there is so much shared purpose and experience between Black Americans and Jewish Americans. And um, I think it's important. Listen, also... I also should point out, again, I think it'd be, I must say before we kind of close out the session that, you know, we've sort of been presenting this as the experience of Black Americans and Jewish Americans. Happen to be a number of Jews of color who also play a role in here that would be important to be sensitive to and to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, I just want to be careful that, you know, not to sort of just present it. hundred percent. Again, right, but we have to know what the reality is. Yes, yeah. We're colorblind, and the truth is, in my mind, and maybe it's because of the way I grew up, I, I, I told you, I think I, I said this on the podcast before, I'm a Gene Roddenberry guy. You know, the idea of Star, the, what his idea of Star Trek was, that everything was beyond, that's post-racial. It doesn't really make a difference, like you said. You know, yeah, it's, 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 like, it's like, what color shirt did you have on? Okay, that guy's black, who cares? And, 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 and I think that that is something that... You know, Judaism, I think, is really about. I love it when I see, uh, I'm sure you feel the same way. When you see images of what used to be called the Falashas or the Ethiopian Jews serving in the, in the Israeli army, or, or, or that is the, uh, my heart, I, I can't, I'm crying when I see that. When I see the images of, 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 of Operation Moses or whatever it was when they brought those planes there, can you, there's no, it's, 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 it's incredible. Incredible, incredibly heartening, and, and 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 that I think is you're right, and I think we don't downplay that at all. Yeah, I don't I think, think so. so. All right, on that note, so let's wish everybody happy Sukkot, John. I might have to tap you again for all right. Uh, quite always, soon. always ready to be part of, uh, be curated and hosted by you. Yes, for on principle, and that's it. Have a great yontif, everybody. Mitzvah a very safe yontif. Um, as I said yesterday on the Chaliarari show. Vaisa ach sameach. I see if you like this, Drosh. Simcha not soso. In other words, hey, this year, take it easy. Ach sameach. Have it internal, only among the group. Doesn't have to turn into, uh, let's go to Beis Shuevis, let's invite people. Ach sameach. Vaisa ach sameach is genuk. And, but it should really make a change. And hopefully we'll see you back on the other side, John. Take care, everybody. A good yontif. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.